0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. If you church and you don't do church often, we aren't just a preaching center. We're a family. We're on a mission together. Sometimes we're sending out and sometimes we're celebrating the gifts that God gives. And we find all of it important. I will be done by 12 o'clock. I promise you. You will be ready. Whatever is on lunch schedule, you'll be there. I promise you. I remember telling the church when I first started preaching here, we started the Lord's Prayer. And um, I started speaking, and I only preached the first verse. And the one guy SMSed the lunch he was going to and said, I think I'm going to be late because the guy said he's going to preach the whole Lord's Prayer. And we were 40 minutes into the preach. He was nervous. Not doing that this morning. My name is Mark, and I'm part of the team here. I want to speak this morning about the promotable life. The promotable life. I I recently was in Durban. We have a property, a small little flat we bought many years ago as a newly married couple almost 16 years ago. And it was our pride and joy. We got stuck into it. We worked it hard. And it's been rented. And it it got in disrepair through tenanting and a whole bunch. so I went up to Durbs, and and I, I, I did DIY. It's good for the soul, to be brutally honest. The very few things actually in my job I can go tick. But once you, I'm going to paint the cupboard, and you paint the cupboard, you can go tick. It's awesome. So satisfying for the soul. Just a little testimony. I didn't say I was good at it. Some of you are looking at me like, so I needed help. So I phoned ahead, and I remembered a man, Herbert, who was in church with me. He had some skills with a paintbrush, and I knew his family, and amazing man. So I phoned Herbert. I said, Herbert, I need help. And Herbert came and helped me. And then after day one, we realized we needed help. The collective Herbert and Mark team. And Herbert said, I've got a friend. His name's Shingi. And Shingi came. And both of these amazing men are from Zimbabwe. Beautiful men. I was in church with them many years ago. And um, we've prayed together. We've worshipped together. But, but I can't say that I fully knew either of their stories. And so we started painting. And every time we had a hurdle, and the first hurdle was tiling needed to be done. And I looked at it, and Herbert, and I looked at it, and we didn't know what to do. Shingi said, ah, I can do this. Shingi sorts the tiles. Then the aircon was broken, and I start phoning and trying to find aircon servicing guys. And I finally know Shingy's got a three year diploma in refrigeration. So Shingy takes the whole aircon off. I'm like, ah, the whole thing off the wall. Strips it bare, cleans it. It looks brand new, working like a bomb. I think Shingy's the man. Then, then a door needed to be hung. And if you've never hung a door on an existing frame, it's not easy. Someone told me they're going to charge me 1500 bucks to hang the door. I'm like, ah, I'll give it a go. Until when I gave it a go, let's just say, Shingi came to the rescue. So I went to Shingi. I said, Shingi, what's going on? There are, every time there's a hurdle, you've got skills. And you jump in. And Shingi started telling me his story. Actually, until recently, he had a great job. He was traveling all into Africa doing massive refrigeration projects. But through mismanagement of funds as a company, that company's gone under. Now Shingi doesn't have a job. He's got three kids. He lives in Durban. And um, life's tough. I found that out on day two and a half, day two. You know what happened for all the hours we worked together? He didn't moan. He didn't tell me where he could be. He just got stuck into my problem. And so I started to wonder. Because what's very popular in Christian circles are books called The Blessed Life. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed son of God, Mercedes, underscore. It's like, and it's very popular and it sells massive books. And it's going to get you lots of downloads. But what does the promotable life look like? Because I'm sitting there and I'm going, God, please Show me someone I can put Shingi in touch to get him the job that he deserves because he's a skilled man. But not just a skilled man, he's a character-filled man who represents you well. And wherever he would put his feet or his hands to work, he would bring you glory. What does it look like to live the promotable life? You see, we love scriptures like Ephesians 3 And maybe we can put on the screen. Let me just read verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every financial blessing in Christ. No, it's not right, is it? Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Spiritual blessings like chosen before the formation of the world, adopted as sons, redeemed by His blood, washed clean in all things, access to His presence. All these spiritual blessings... But it doesn't say automatically your bank's going to be filled up automatically every promotion that's going in your company you will get because you're a Christian. It doesn't say that. But sometimes we live a little bit like that. And sometimes I sit with Christians and they things aren't going quite how they planned. And it's just sit down. Ah, God, where are you? That's my boss. You don't know my boss, Mark. You've never worked for a boss. Now, I worked in a very corporate competitive environment for years. I started at 21 years old, 22 years old in a very corporate, uh, a very competitive environment. And the way you got promoted in that environment, the way I learned promotion happened was you worked really, 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 really hard. You met all your targets, all your KPIs, all your stuff, and then you got onto a list. And once you were on the list, you were eligible for promotion. So when they started looking for people to promote, they just looked at the list. So it wasn't just the promotion. You were trying to get on the list to be promoted. And you were scrambling not just above other people, but your mates to do that. So you learn some bad cultures with environments like that. You learned things like a, a, a culture that fights ownership because I've got my three objectives. As long as I nail those three, why should I take time out to help yours? But, oh, because we're in team together. No, but they're not on my object. It won't get me promoted. Everyone, anyone ever heard that? Or, or other things like, actually, I saw things happen where this person is on my team, but they're actually really not good at their job. So what I'm going to do, because it's easier than dealing with them, is I'm going to get them promoted into someone else's department or one of the other two companies within the group. Brilliant company, but it happens. And you learn these things because everyone in the world wants promotion. Who doesn't? We did a school, we wanted to be promoted, grade 7 to grade 8. We wanted to be promoted from the B team to the A team. We wanted the promotion of God. And I'm telling you, there's something about the Bible is not silent on promotion. God wants promotion. Why, though? Why? So we get bigger cars or bigger houses or bigger acclaim. Now, some of those things are blessings, and God does want us to live blessed. And there's the prosperity that is promised to God's people and the provision that he provides. But ultimately, he wants his people to be promoted so they have more influence, so that influence can bring him more glory. That's the bottom line. And Lee will go to Durban to an incredible church, and I get to talk to the pastor of that church and tell him about this man because they're in a place where he can really help and take them forward in massive strides. I mean, this man's going to help you. Why? So that God can get all the glory. I'm going to invest in my children's lives in ways and means that they will go on journeys to be more like Jesus. Why? So that God will give them the influence He has portioned for them. Why? So that God can get all the glory. And it's a massive thing, it's got to change, but it, it, it isn't about, it's, it's not just because God has favorites that some get. Sometimes when I look at lives like Shingi or I look at Nehemiah's life, who, was, who served a foreign king in exile for 12 years and one day comes to work sad just think about that, 12 years, never went to work sad, comes once, and the king goes, why are you sad, he says, now the walls are broken in my home, and I need to go back and fix them, he says, you go, and I'm going to provide you the provisions for you to go, why, was it because he was somehow more blessed than the other Christians in exile, no, they all God's children, It's because for 12 years, he went on a journey of character building, journey of of trusting God, a journey of holding himself in a manner that when it came to the moment that God would do something, he was promotable. It's a challenging word, but I've realized as I look at lives like Shingis and others, number one, that God promotes. He is the author and perfecter. The the message puts it this way in 1 Peter 5. So be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. How cool is that? And if you struggled with the message, I'm going to give you Psalm 75 from the King James, not even the new King James. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, come promotion and lifting up. But God is the judge. He puts down one and lifts up another. Where does promotion come from? When you're a son or daughter of the living God. It doesn't come from your boss. It doesn't come from your CEO. It doesn't come from our president. It comes from God. And when we kick into that, we have to kick into another system of understanding and we have to plug unplug ourselves from the system of the world. I'm not saying don't work hard, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying actually the Bible's got a lot to say and there is some misconceptions about promotion. Things like promotion comes from what you do. Well, in the world, yes. In the kingdom of God, not. David wasn't even in the lineup when the prophet came and was looking for the next king. Said to his father, hey, are these all your sons? Well, there's another one. Bring him. And we see in 1 Samuel, it says, actually, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God's economy is different. What he's looking at is different. And we can line up and scheme. I art from Durban. That means there's an art form called the hustle. I witnessed a guy trying to get the price of paint that was already on special down. I thought, this is amazing. I loved it. I literally stood next to him and go, I'm watching you. Carry on. I'm learning. This is incredible. That's what is the art in derbs. You hustle, you make a plan, you deal. But when it comes to God and his promotion, there is no hustle. There's just, I'm a son before a good God. And I will do everything in my plans and ways to, to navigate this. A promotion doesn't come from a boss. Misconception. Well, God's God, but you should meet my boss, Larry. He's stopping me. Let's just take a step back. Creator of the heavens and the earth, Larry, head of operations. Let's just take another step back. I mean, it's, we forget this stuff. It's so simple, but it's not because it's our lives. It's our everyday. Promotion comes because of some kind of accomplishment. Well, yes, you've got to work hard and you've got to align yourself and you've got to study when you need to study and you've got to work hard and you've got to put in the hours. Don't get me wrong. But that's still not the reason. God's favor is at work in my life. That reason is because I'm a son of God and I position myself before him accordingly. Well, some truths about promotion. God initiates it. We've seen that. And promotion comes when you see. It seems to come when we plant ourselves. And in whatever circumstance we plant ourselves, ultimately we plant ourselves in God. So you get the Nehemiah. But there's so many other seasons. You look at David and he's been anointed king, but he spends years in a cave. But he wasn't planted in a cave. He was planted in the father of heaven and earth in a cave. Like my friend Shingy. Promotion comes when we take on the attitude of a servant. And Jesus says in Matthew 20, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'll do anything. I just, I won't serve anyone. I'll work for any boss except any boss you actually give me. Bible never promises you're going to get nice bosses. Just putting that out there. Bible says you need to be nice to them. It says you need to pray for them, love them, serve them, honor them, work hard for them. But trust God. Bible says promotion comes because we've got students, stewards, stewards of gifts like Lee, a young man years ago, worshiping with his guitar. Whoever knew that would become something he could do full time, writing songs. So I want to look as a man named Joseph this morning for the next 20 minutes. And, and I'm going to give you a praise. And the cool thing about Joseph is many people know his story because of his funky coat. So the man of many colored coats. But Joseph starts out, he's the one of 12 sons of a man named Judah. And he's the favored son because he's the light lamaki. He gets a fancy jacket because the dad loves him and is unashamed to tell everyone he loves him. And, and this kid is, is there and he's got a gift on his life, a spiritual gift of prophecy. And dream interpretation. It's a spiritual gift. But he's unwise. And so he goes to his brother and says, Two prophecies. Number one, dreams. You're all going to bow down to me, including you, Dad. And eventually his brother says they hate him, and his dad rebukes him. So what do his brothers do? They sell him into slavery. He goes into slavery, and for 11 years he's working for Potiphar and Potiphar's house, and he rises in the corporate ladder of Potiphar's house because he's a good servant. He goes on a maturity journey of growing as a servant. Eventually, he's running parts of his house, but then parts of his wife. mm -mm, She fancies old Joseph. Says he's good looking. and She chases him day after day. And eventually, one day, he rejects her again. And she grabs the jacket. He runs out. He leaves the jacket behind. And she comes to claim he ends up in jail. How does that work, God. Demotion into jail. No, but God always had a bigger plan for a nation. God needed his man in a governor seat. The second highest seat of the nation, God needed his man. So he needed his man to go into slavery, to get humbled. He needed his man to go on a character journey in prison so that one day when a king needs a dream interpreted, which was the gift upon his life. See, the character needed to catch up with the gift. And in that long journey, He went into slavery at 17. At 30, he's released as governor. He had a 13-year journey of hardship. Why? Because God had a plan. And this is Joseph, and he goes on a journey from arrogance to humility, from naivety to wisdom, from being completely self-unaware to self-awareness, from being misunderstood and misunderstanding privilege to understanding influence, from being a victim to being an overcomer and a forgiver. So what does it look like to live a promotable life? Three quick points, and I'm going to have to do them quick. Give him praise. Number two, give him the process. And number three, give him the preparation. You can see I've been hanging around with Gabe. Three points and three Ps. Praise, process, preparation. Can you say that with me? Praise, process, preparation. Give him the praise. This is what Exodus 34 verse 14 says. Do not worship any other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Basically, don't have any other gods. Because God's not ambivalent, or is that the right word? No, that's not the right word. Ambiguous about the fact that he wants your praise. He, he's clearly stating he wants your praise. So let's talk about our mate you see, because we, we, we make ourselves the idols. We're brilliant at so being self justifying. And it's statements like, Mark, you don't know my boss. He's cheap and he's tough. Well, let's talk about Moses and Pharaoh. Let's talk about Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel lives a life. And this is what his life is he goes into exile. 67 years later, Daniel in the lion's den happens. 67 years. He worshiped God three times a day. 67 years he served in foreign kings in, in who, who gave him no status in society. 67 years before God got all the glory in that story. But God always knew what he was preparing him for. See, what does it look like? And it challenges us because in the promotion story, these are the challenges. Wait patiently on God. Be still and know. Mm. Again, Durban, I make a plan. I make a plan. I'm, that's what I've learned. Be still. Trust God. If, if you have ideas and permission, well, don't start scheming and schmoozing and sidling up. Well, God's glorious. I'm just going to work it into the circle. If I just, you find yourself, start compromising. Now, don't do that. Trust God. Let relations happen naturally and pray and pray and pray. These are the currencies we are given. But Joseph in slavery, uh, what would have idols have been? If I'm in slavery, I think an idol would have been freedom from chains. I think an idol would have been self, like, I don't deserve this. It's an incredible thing. But when Potiphar's wife comes after Joseph, his idol would have flared up because to keep his idol alive, he would have needed to keep his position, which was head of slaves and and serving in Potiphar's house. Now she's going after him. He knows the implication that if he rejects her, he's putting his position at even more risk. And this is what he says. He says, how then could I do such a wicked thing? If he just stopped there, I think he's a good man. He's a good man, a man who who understands what it is to trust God, but he knows this is his praise. This is his point of reference for promotion. He carries on. He says, and sin against God. How could I do this wicked thing and sin against God? He was more worried the fact that he was affronting God than he would reject her. Will you stand on the promises of God and will you praise him? And make him your king and lord of all. See, Joseph goes from prisoner to governor of the land. He gets an opportunity to stand before Pharaoh and interpret his dream. That's the gift upon his life. But he's grown in some wisdom. He's grown in some maturity. He's grown in some understanding of God. And he's grown in some humility over 11 years of slavery and two years in prison or even longer. And Pharaoh stands before him. And and please understand the other guys who got his interpretations wrong got killed. If I was Joseph, I'd walk in there like, what's going on here? What's what's happening here? And Pharaoh says, can you interpret my dream? And this is Joseph's answer. Joseph said, I cannot do it. It's a good answer. eh? Fortunately, it's a comma. Genesis 41 verse 16. I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. It's a brilliant answer. It's an answer of a man who's gone on a journey, who's positioned himself where God is the highest authority in his life. And his promoter is God. And whether he likes the answer or not, that's the answer he's getting. And I sat with a man who's a CFO of a big listed company in our nation. And he said to me, ah, in that forum, in that board meeting, I, I can't mention the name Jesus. I said, rubbish. But if Joseph can stand before Pharaoh, if Daniel can stand before Nebuchadnezzar, you can stand before CEO. And declare the name of Jesus. I don't know. To me, it looks like a man who positions himself with the highest praise. And he speaks and he positions and he keeps positioning himself. Give him the praise. See, Pharaoh realized that Joseph was different and promotes him. And Dan, Daniel, uh, Joseph even says to him, well, what you need is a man in the place who can bring govern, Because there are going to be seven good years and then there are going to be seven terrible years of famine. He wasn't thinking it was him. Why? Because he's in prison. He thinks, well, I'm going to give this good news. I'm just going to go back to prison. No, he says, well, here you go. He gets the promotion of all promotions. He goes from cleaner to CEO of a multinational company, running the nation. He goes from prison to governor. Secondly, give him the process. And we live in a world of shortcuts, short circuits, but ultimately they're short-lived. So I'm going to give you some pointers on areas that I think we can all go on a journey. Number one, wisdom. And Joseph has the spiritual gift. But here's the important thing about Joseph's stories: He always had the gift. And sometimes in church, we so celebrate the gift, we want to overlook the character journey, the life journey, the growth journey behind the story. But I'm telling you, without that growth journey, the gift becomes ineffective. And he can prophesy to his 11 brothers and end up in prison, or he can minister to a governor, as a governor, to a king. And I'm telling you, wisdom's amazing, and I'm just going to drop a bomb on you. Some have it and some don't. Some have big portions and some have little portions. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, actually, it's a spiritual gift as well. You've been given the gift of wisdom. So don't sit there and go, well, I don't have the gift. No, we don't all have the gift of singing. We don't all have the gift of kicking a rugby ball, whatever that might be. But, but, but we got to go on a journey of growing. Because if there are spiritual gifts in our life, the, the story behind, the character journey behind it has to go on a journey. And he goes on that journey so that the gift can be heard by the right person at the right time to impact a nation. Are you seeing that? And it's an amazing thing. It's, wisdom is incredibly powerful and amazing when it is and terrible when we don't have it. It isn't just simply intelligence or knowledge. It's how we apply that to life to see productivity and fruitfulness come in certain situations in our families. It starts there in our personal lives. We can go on growth journeys in wisdom. I'm telling you, if you want wisdom, please understand that in my I've been in church most of my life and I've seen very gifted, far more gifted individuals than myself step onto pulpits and platforms. And now years later, they were shooting stars that shone once but aren't shining anymore because the journey behind the scenes didn't happen. And I'm telling you, often it's a wisdom journey that we can grow in. And if you don't have large measures of wisdom, well get it in your life. Find friends or find people in, in wisdom in my life who help navigate. Maybe you don't know how a church runs and you think it's just I get on my knees and I pray all day. And go. No, I, I sit with Quentin. I sit with Malcolm Herbert who was there, but he's maybe been taken up to heaven. And, and, um, and, and, and many others in the church because they have gifts of wisdom in their life. And Oli Inpan who's playing bass for you today, is 21 years old, but he has a gift of wisdom upon his life. I want to hear his voice. I want to listen. Make sure you have those people. What about the second one? Character. Character. Don't know why I said it like that. Develop character that makes us promotable. Oswald Chambers says, "Character in a saint means the disposition of Jesus, Christ, the disposition of Jesus Christ persistently manifested." It means to be like Jesus in all occasions, all circumstances, regardless of whether it's going well or not going well. It's a challenge. Character, it, it, to me, is the number one evidence of a relationship with God behind the scenes. It is. Better for me to be trustworthy than just to be trusted by an individual. Because trusted can be on many different currencies, but trustworthy is the consistency development behind the scenes of that thing. How do you build character? Well, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Time with God in His Word, in His presence, and pouring into yourself clean hands and a pure heart. Um, Develop a servant's heart. Maybe say, well, I don't have it. Well, get it. Because the Bible says you want to be promoted? become a servant. And often we look at guys on stage, you take even a church and we don't know the background story. I grew up and my first job in church was moving chairs from Glenwood to a, a, a what do you call it, a circus tent on a Saturday night because I had a bucky. I didn't have a spiritual gift, I had a bucky. That's how church works sometimes. Find the guy with the bucky I spent most of my life moving people's homes because I had a bucky. I never got another bucky, just telling you. But God did things in those moments. Uh, cultivate a loyal heart. Be dependable, which means manage expectations. And don't tell someone you'll be there at 9 o'clock if you can only realistically get there at 10. Tell them you'll be there at 10, 15. And if they're a little disappointed, rather let them be a little disappointed, but you be dependable. These are basics. But they're God-honoring basics that releases a potential... I believe, of a promotable life. I look at, uh, at Joseph and Potiphar's wife, that situation. He was prepared to cut against the grain to honor God and position himself for promotion later, even though he ended up in prison. Sometimes we read these Bible stories like nice for him. You know what Joseph knew? I've read the story yesterday twice on the Bible. I was looking for the, on the plane. You know what you never see? Joseph never questions God as to why. Others do in the Bible. They lament, they get upset, and I think we're allowed to, but this guy doesn't, not once. He goes to prison, doesn't question. Goes to slavery, doesn't question. He gets sold into by his brothers, he doesn't question anything. It's a challenging, challenging thing. What about honesty? In Genesis 40, the, the king's the cupbearer and the king's, Baker gets sent to prison. And in prison, they both have dreams. And then they found, there's this dude, Joseph, who can interpret dreams. He's actually serving them in prison. So they say, I've got dreams. He says, well, cupbearer, tell me your dreams. And the cupbearer says, this is my dream. He gives the interpretation. In a week's time, the, kin's kids, the king is going to lift up your head. It's this positive, beautiful encouragement. So the baker goes, yes, yeah, me too. I had a dream too. I want that. And he says, interprets his dream. Your dream is in a week's time, you're going to be impaled by the king. That's literally what he told them. In church, how, who's had an impaling prophecy lately? It doesn't work, eh? He was an honest man. You want to know what his grown character? grown honesty, even if it's immediate disappointment. Rather face out to it there than live with dishonesty in that story. I, I just love it. And last, I give him your preparation. Things like being a faithful steward. The Bible speaks so much about it. But I look at this man's life. The first story, we see him sold into slavery. What happens? He ends up in Potiphar's house. He's sold there. This is the testimony of him in Potiphar's house. Genesis 39 verse 4, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. That only happened if he was faithful. That only happened if he worked hard, if he was dependable, if he was reliable. Then he ends up in prison because of Potiphar's wife. Demotion. What's the testimony of Joseph in prison? Genesis 39, verse 22. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Seeing a trend? Dependable, reliable, worked hard for his prison warden. Oh, you don't know my boss, Mark. Is he a prison warden? Does he chain you up at night? And eventually, on to run a nation. This is the testimony of Joseph's life. Genesis 41, verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Slavery, I'll serve my master and I'll serve him well. Prison, I'll serve my prison warden and I'll serve him well. Nation, I'll govern a nation for the glory of God. And I read these stories and I think sometimes we flip over. But if you're called to lead in business, well, get faithful where you're at. Stop dreaming of the next promise or someone else's job and say, God, you've given me this. I'm going to steward the socks of this thing. Whatever field you're in, whether it's work or family or whatever, those are fields, plow them, water the soil, pour yourself into them. And watch what God will do because it makes us and positions us for promotion. Lastly, in the area of preparation, deal with delay. I think he was in slavery for 11 years, and then he had two years in prison. And I love the end of chapter 39. It says, actually, the cupbearer just forgot about Joseph. It's like the simple sentence, the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. I think, like, how awesome. He's just saved his life, prophesied over him. Accurate interpretation, forgets about him. For two years. I think those two years were far harder than the 11 years in slavery. Because for two years, he lived with the hope he was going to get out of there. But he dealt with it. He didn't question God. He didn't stop serving. He kept serving. He kept being faithful. He kept trusting God and hearing God. He kept bringing his gift before God and saying, it's for you. It's for your glory. See, Jesus said that many people are called, but few are chosen. I believe that often it's those that receive the initial call start to prepare for the call. In your story, will you prepare for the call? Where's your family going? Start preparing. Where's your career going? Start preparing. Start preparing. That's my friend, Clint Wheeler. And years ago, he was a dropout drug addict on the streets of Cape Town. And this year, he bought a house with his wife and their family. And I'm so proud of you. You're a promotable man. And two years ago, my little boy, whose heart is this big, but his body's only this big. He was very small for his age, and he was playing under 9A rugby at his school. And we got a letter from his coach. And the letter said this, Judah, you have the biggest heart, but you're very small. And I'm worried you're going to get injured. So I need to drop you to the B team so that you can enjoy your rugby. And my little boy, who my other kid wouldn't have minded Judah wore hard. He was bummed. He's competitive. He wants to play the game. Last year, he didn't get one A game for the A team. And this year, he got an opportunity. Please, it's trivial. It's under 11. It really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things, but it's his heart. It's the formation of a young man named Judah Carl von Pletzen who will bring God glory one day. But he got chosen for the A team this year. You know what it meant to him this time versus the last time? Every opportunity, grateful. A little bit more humble. A little bit more privileged to be there. I've watched people with gifting fly like shooting stars and fall out of the sky. One of my best friends named Greg Rawlinson, who had the privilege of leading to the Lord in my kitchen, never played one game A-team at my school. But after school, he made a decision. He said, I'm going to be a professional rugby player. So we all went and played rugby and literally broke every bone in our body because we were too small for under 21. Another story, my testimony. And um, But Greg went and trained for 18 months. He ate bowls and bowls of lasagna, of of pasta. He would just eat raw pasta. He would go to gym twice a day. He didn't play, he went into the shadows and trained. He came back a man mountain. The next year he played for Natal, two years later he played for the All Blacks. He never played one game for his school's A-team. Ended up playing for the All Blacks as the second South African only ever to do it. And I learned something, that he was promotable. Because he was prepared to do behind the scenes what a lot of people weren't. What are you prepared to do in the shadow so that God can bring you into the light and promote you? Because we can stand and lament and say why it's not happening, but I promise you, will you praise him? Will you trust him with the process? And will you get stuck into the preparation and trust him with the end result? Because it might just be a nation he wants you to influence. Can you stand with me this morning? I am... As I'm preaching this morning, I've got a beautiful man named Shingi, in my gaze and saying, God, there's the red tape of visas. There's a whole bunch of things, but there's a son of God who I believe has positioned himself for promotion. Will you promote your son for your glory? Can we close our eyes just for a second? You've just got to spend 20 minutes on Facebook to realize there's this incredible gift of mankind called self-justification. And we're incredibly good at being completely unaware of self and completely aware of everyone else's failures. We slip into criticism and cynicism. I don't believe that's where sons and daughters of God should remain. Like Joseph, my position is one of praise. Like Joseph, my life is one of preparation and the processes of God. Sometimes it's going to feel sore. Sometimes you're going to feel insecure in the process. But at the end of the day, it's not up to you. It's not in your hands and it's not in the boss named Larry. It's in the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. That's called faith. Faith is not a one-liner prayer uttered on the way to work. Faith is a life laid down before the goodness of a good God. This morning, if you're saying, God, actually, maybe some of these things I failed in right now. Would you lay them down before him, repent and say, God, I want to walk forward. Here's why. Not so you could get the next promotion and buy the next car. So that the God who is jealous for your affections, jealous for your praise, and jealous for his glory can get it all from your life. Maybe you're an agent, a sales agent, and it's sales. will then trust him. Maybe you're a teacher and it's pupils. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your marriage. God wants to promote some marriages from what the nation and the nations are shouting about our country called junk status to joy and to life and to abundance. I pray right now, Spirit of God, would you allow us to unplug from other systems, worldly systems, and plug into your word and plug into your life and plug into your character. Would you allow us to shift under your shadow today? Because it's the only place we find life. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. I pray your blessing upon every person here today. Maybe many in this auditorium today can identify with Shingi's story. I pray, God, open up the heavens over your people, your sons and daughters. But take us on the processes that you as a good father know we need to go on so that we can walk into those doors when they're open. We can take those opportunities when they come so that you can get all the glory and our hearts would stay forever yours. We love you, Jesus.